What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode eight of the Powder Blue Review, powered by Blue Wire Pods. I am your host, Michael Peterson, and boy, do we have some things to talk about. Now, I don't know if you guys are anything like me, but you were probably enjoying your lovely Thursday morning. Maybe you guys were on your trek to work. Maybe you guys were taking a morning jog. Maybe you were even doing some morning meditation to kind of get your mind right and set for the day. Maybe you guys were at harrys.com slash bluewire taking advantage of that sweet deal we keep talking about. Unfortunately, Adam Schefter had other plans for you in your morning. Early on Thursday morning, Schefter broke the news that Melvin Gordon, the Chargers starting running back, wants a new deal. He wants to get paid like one of the top running backs in the league, and he's willing to pull a Le'Veon Bell to make it happen. So that means Gordon is looking to possibly hold out. He won't report to training camp without the deal. He may set out the entire 2019 season and essentially demand a trade if the Chargers aren't willing to pay him what he's due. That's tough. That's super tough. Uh, When this team looks like everything's just coming together, everything's working out, Hunter Henry's coming back, position's got more, you know, depth, all the weak spots kind of filled, everything's looking good and up for the 2019 season. And unfortunately, one of the team's best players, their potential catalyst on the offensive side of the ball is just pulling a stunt. So a lot of people are torn on this whole thing. Um, Should they pay him? Should they not pay him? Why, why not? Pros and cons. I mean, everyone is thrown around every part of the argument, every part of the discussion, and no one's leaving any stone unturned. So there's a lot to be talked about. I haven't said much about it online, mostly because I wanted to be reserved. I wanted to kind of take in all the facts before I you know, maybe spouted off something I didn't quite mean or I said something that may have been uneducated or just you know missing something. So I waited until this episode to kind of sit down and go over pretty much everything I know. Um, and that's what this show is going to be about. It's, we're going to talk about kind of the details, all the news and details surrounding the Melvin Gordon deal. We're then going to go into why the Chargers should pay him. So I'm kind of going to play both sides on this. At first, I'm going to explain why the Chargers should pay Melvin Gordon. And then I'm going to flip sides and go to why they should not pay Melvin Gordon. And then we're going to end it just with some free agent running backs who are still out there who could potentially come in and be a little bit of a stopgap this season for the Chargers. There's not many, but threw a couple darts out there, hit a few of them that could make some sense. Um may or may not be better than what they have in the wings with Eckler and Jackson and even Detrez Newsom, but, you know, they could use some veteran presence, a veteran presence um, besides Eckler, although he's the oldest, he's been there for, this will be his third season, they could use another guy, so that's kind of what the episode looks like, there's a lot to go over, so we're just going to get right into this bad boy. So to quickly reiterate, it was early Thursday morning that Schefter broke the news on Gordon, and again, he... He's already threatening not to report to training camp, may demand a trade, kind of the whole thing that Le'Veon Bell pulled last year with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, So it came out soon after Schefter's break that Gordon's agent, uh, Demarius Bilbo, originally stated that they hoped it wouldn't come to this. Now that's, you know, good to hear that that they obviously hoped it it would never get to this, but apparently the initial deal, the offer that the Chargers first extended to Melvin Gordon and his agent was not what they wanted, nor probably expected, and um, Gordon and his agent felt, quote, disrespected by it. Now, we have no idea what the deal was for. We have no idea, um, you know, if it was 
you know, maybe just under what the top running backs are getting paid in that 11 to 12 million per year range? Was it under 10? Um, you know, we're not entirely sure. So we, we really still have no idea what Gordon's exactly looking for. But we know from some of the quotes from things he said, things from his agent, that he does want to get paid enough that his deal sits among the other top running back deal. So that includes Gurley, Bell, and David Johnson. And for some context, Gurley signed prior to last season a four-year $57 million deal that puts him at $14.375 million per year. Le'Veon Bell got paid by the New York Jets after sitting out the 2018 season. His deal was four years, $52 million, uh, which comes out to $13.125 per year. And David Johnson took a little bit of a smaller deal. Instead of four like the other guys, he took a three-year deal where he gets $39 million. So 13 even across those three years. So that's kind of what we have to look at in terms of the top running backs. Okay, so that between that 13 to you know 14 and a half million per year. Now that is extremely excessive for I mean the running back position. A lot of people feel that way, and quite possibly the Chargers may not want to even go close to that number when it comes to keeping Gordon, especially at the depth of running backs they have. But um, we'll get into that later in the show. Um, some other quotes that Gordon had. So he's made it clear that he wants to remain a Charger, which is phenomenal. At least we know his head isn't all about the money. It's not just, you know, I'll go wherever it pays me, but like he wants to stay with the Chargers. So the fans can take a little, you know, warm and fuzzy with that. And we know that if he wants to or if he can, he will choose the Chargers over everybody. But, quote, he understands that it's a business. Unfortunately, it's the one thing we all have to deal with as well, um, being fans. Um, Saturday, so yesterday as I'm recording this, this Sunday evening, Dallas had an event called SportsCon, and Gordon was in attendance, and he did speak to the media while he was there, and he just doubled down on his stance, stating that you can't just replace an elite back, quote-unquote, uh, just look at Dallas. And in here, he's referring to 2017 when Zeke Elliott missed six games due to a suspension, and for a little more context, the Cowboys went 5-3 and three the eight weeks prior uh, to Zeke being suspended, and then he went 3-3 three and three without him. And we should also note that Dallas also didn't have left tackle Tyron Smith during those first two games of that six-game stretch. Um, so again, doubling down on the fact that he's not so easily replaced, still standing his ground fairly firmly you know, as a running back. Another note that shouldn't sit too well with fans is the fact that last year, he was actually recorded for a day by Sports Illustrated, and during one of the scenes, he's sitting and having dinner with, I believe, a friend or his brother and his father, and his father turns to him and asks if Bell's going to return this season, and Gordon, you know, says no, um, and then his dad proceeds to ask him if he would sit out, essentially, and and uh, Melvin Gordon says something along the lines of, like, yeah, I would do the same thing, and then proceeds to say, he gave you everything he had for five to six years, and y'all can't pay the man, and obviously that's in reference to Bell giving everything he had for the Steelers, and, you know, this only goes on to support that maybe Melvin Gordon is willing to set out the entire 2019 season. Maybe he's willing to do exactly what Bell did, even though Bell didn't sign for as much with the Jets that apparently the Steelers offered him immediately, but he's willing to do it, and I mean, this is a year ago, you know, so I don't think his mind has changed too much. It's probably the reason why he's taking such a firm stance on this in the first place. And just in case you guys don't know, Melvin Gordon is set to make $5.6 million this year during the 2019 season. And to put that in perspective with guys who are getting paid more than him at this very moment, uh, these are guys who make more 
on average than Gordon has uh, right now. And so the list is Devonta Freeman, who signed a pretty big deal a couple of years ago. Obviously, that doesn't look too good with Freeman basically missing the entire 2018 season, but he's making roughly $8.25 million per year. LaShawn McCoy, who's averaged just 3.7 yards the last two years with this new deal, is making $8 million a year. And then you have Jarek McKinnon, who just got his big deal after signing with the San Francisco 49ers prior to the 2018 season. He's making $7.5 million, and he didn't play at all in his first season. And then you've got Saquon Barkley, who's making an average of 7.79, and Leonard Fournette at 6.787 a year. So again, if you kind of look back at this list, you're looking at Freeman, who's missed a ton of time making that deal look worse. McCoy, who hasn't done anything to live up to the expectations he had or the team had for him with their new deal. And then Jarek McKinnon, who signed his big deal and instantly tore his ACL and missed the entire 2018 season. This only goes to show for at least the people who are in the group of running backs don't matter and it's never a good idea to give running backs big deals. This is kind of why it's a big part of their ammo. All right, so why should the team pay Melvin Gordon? Well, first off, he's one of the true dual-threat running backs in the NFL. And if you guys look around, there's not a ton of these types of running backs running around the league. And when these running backs are combined with a halfway competent quarterback, it really sets the offense apart. It really takes it to the next level, pushes it over the edge. And for examples, like you got to look at guys like the Saints with Alvin Kamara, the Rams with Gurley, the Cardinals when they had Carson Palmer at the helm, and the Steelers. So Gurley, DJ, and Bell, from their performances through those years, have obviously gotten paid. And this is what Melvin Gordon wants. Alvin Kamara is sure to get a massive contract when his deal is up and which should coincide with the retirement of Drew Brees well enough that they can probably make that deal happen because then they won't have to longer worry about Drew Brees and that contract over the team. And they pair him with Michael Thomas for the foreseeable future. And that offense is going to stay dangerous for whomever else takes up the, the quarterback position after Drew Brees retires. Now, right now, Phillip Rivers' impending extension is unfortunately the priority with the Chargers. It's what the fans need. It's what the team needs. But at the same time, are you going to throw away Rivers' final win-now window without Gordon, who's been the catalyst for this offense for the last couple of years? Are you not going to push your chips into the middle and go all in to make sure that this is a team that can win and has no excuses whatsoever to not make the playoffs, go deep into the playoffs, and potentially get to the Super Bowl? This is the tough decision. Now, a lot of people want to argue that a rotation of Eckler, Jackson, and Newsom could potentially make up for you know 85 to 90% of Gordon's usual production, but we'll never know 100% if that's what's going to happen until they do it. So are you willing to risk you know, what if extrapolating limited amounts of uh, workloads to across 16 game slate and just assuming that these backups are going to do the same thing as Gordon. I just don't know. So there's been a sizable drop off when Gordon isn't in the lineup. So looking at the numbers and these are just rushing stats, but the team averages just 83 yards per game on the ground with a single touchdown with Gordon in the lineup. They still average just a single touchdown per game, but their rushing numbers go up 45 yards to 128 rushing yards per game. I mean, that's quite the increase from 83 to 128. That's quite a big deal. You know, Gordon also allows Rivers to be much safer with the ball since Gordon has done nothing but improve as a pass catcher in this offense in his four years in the league. Rivers hasn't had to force it downfield anymore in, you know, clutch situations. And he's finally been able to dump the ball off in the same way that he would dump it off to Sproles, to LT, to Danny Woodhead when he was here, man. He that he gives 
Phillip Rivers a safety valve that helps him keep the ball, helps him not turn it over, and at the end of the day, that's kind of what an offense needs. I mean, the offense has to have trust in every weapon that's on the field, and if you don't feel like you can dump it to your running back and you have to force the ball downfield into double coverage to Travis Benjamin or someone like that, it's not a good thing to have. And if you take a look at the numbers, then you can actually see that Gordon being on the field makes Rivers a safer passer. In games where Gordon suits up, Rivers' pass rating is 103.8. Without Gordon, it falls to 75.3. Now, in the end, guys, Gordon has made it known that he wants to stay with the team. The team that, quote, started his life. The team that gave him the chance to make his NFL dream come true. And I think that goes a long way. So at the end of the day... I think the safer route in terms of winning now with Phillip Rivers while he still can, you've got to pay Melvin Gordon, and it may be a little more than you want to, but I think in the end it's all going to be a wash, and this team can possibly find a way to make the contract work. You see teams like the Eagles and the Vikings just somehow keep signing their main guys back for these healthy deals, deals that at least make these players happy. And you see this and you think, yes, obviously, Tom Telesco, if you're worth your salt as being a general manager, then you can find a way to make these contracts work to make sure all your guys are retained and everyone else is happy at the end of the day. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for just $3. So if you guys are convinced that the Chargers now should pay Melvin Gordon, I'm about to flip the script on you, and we're going to go into why the Chargers should not pay Melvin Gordon. And I thought this one is probably what the majority of fans are into, what I think most of the media pundits believe as well. So let's just see if you guys agree. The team's biggest priority, like I stated on the other argument, is figuring out Philip Rivers' extension. His contract is also up after 2019, and with $10 million in their current cap space, it's going to be tough squeezing in a new deal for both Rivers and Gordon. With Gordon under contract 2019, it might be best for the team to, you know, financially, to let him sit and franchise him in 2020, because right now the Chargers could use that money for other things. For those of you who like numbers, there's a guy named Kevin Cole from Pearl Football Focus who did some calculations to figure out if Gordon's wins above replacement or war and what his current value is compared to other similar running backs in history. Now, the names he got are ones that have a high recognition, but probably weren't that extremely valuable at the time. And these guys were 2012 Maurice Jones-Drew, 2008 Clinton Portis, and 2011 Frank Gore. Now, compared with those comps, the weighted value for what Gordon should be paid actually came out to $4.3 million, which is a good $1.3 less than what he is actually scheduled to make in 2019. So according to those numbers, 
Gordon's actually getting more than what he's worth. And if you just take out, forget the comps, just put him, uh, put the numbers in normally without comparing him to, um, you know, closest to in value, Gordon's value apparently bumps to a $6 million per year deal, which again is only 400000 more a year than he's making in 2019. And I think a lot of people are going to point to this as the main reason why you don't want to throw money at a running back or Melvin Gordon in general is the injuries. Gordon has only completed one full season of 16 games as a pro. It's also the only season where he has rushed for over 1,000 yards. In 2015, his rookie year, he had a tear in his knee. In 2016, he had a knee sprain and a sprained hamstring that kept him out of the final game of the season and stopped him from getting to that 1,000-yard plateau. He finished 2016 with just 997 yards rushing. This past year in 2018, he had a grade 2 MCL sprain. He actually injured both knees with the first one coming prior to the Tennessee Titans game, which they decided he probably could have played, but they kept him out anyway because they had to buy the following week and they wanted to rest him up for the long stretch to end the season. Now, he came back from injury and re-injured himself again during the Arizona Cardinals game. And he had a pretty big game there. He ran for a couple of touchdowns, but he re-injured himself and missed another three games. Those games were the Steelers, the Chiefs, and the Cincinnati Bengals game. And obviously the team, again, won all those games without Gordon. How do you pay a guy who can't stay healthy? Now, he hasn't missed like a butt ton of games, but the fact that he can't stay healthy for more than one season out of his four as a pro is concerning. How do you throw money at a guy who's not reliable? And if you look back at the games, most of the time he's misses at the end of the season when everyone kind of needs to be healthy and you need to prep and rev up for the playoffs if you even make the playoffs. That's tough. I mean, this was their first playoff uh, appearance in five years and Gordon wasn't healthy leading up to it. And luckily they got through and made the playoffs but he wasn't healthy for the first round of the playoffs when they played the Ravens. Luckily, they were able to pull that one, although there was that furious comeback at the end. And then they ended up getting embarrassed by the New England Patriots. I think they had 19 rushing yards in that game with a Gordon who was supposedly healthy at the time. You can't have that type of track record. You can't have that history and think teams are going to be lining up to throw money at you, especially the team that you haven't been able to be there for. It just doesn't make sense, and you'd like these running backs to kind of take those things into consideration, but again, they're they're looking out for their family, they're looking out for what's best for them and theirs, and it's just tough. It's a battle that fans really aren't going to win at the end of the day, because these players have to worry about themselves, and, and fans are fans, and they can show all the love in the world, but at the end of the day, to quote Melvin, it's a business. The last part of this argument of why they should not sign Melvin Gordon and obviously we have to touch on this, is the wealth of depth at the running back position that the Chargers have behind him. So you've got Austin Eckler, you've got Justin Jackson, and you've got Newsom. Warren Sharp, if you guys follow him on Twitter whatsoever, super smart guy, has a book that pretty much just tells you everything you need to know about the, the NFL landscape prior to each NFL season. Well, he tweeted out today that it's very possible to replace 85 to 90% of Melvin Gordon's production at just one-fifth of the cost. And yeah, you're not going to get 100%, but if it's at one-fifth, one-fourth, one-sixth, whatever of the cost it would be to bring back Melvin Gordon, then you kind of just have to do it. Eckler has been obviously super efficient in a limited role. Jackson helped carry the team to the last-second victory against the Steelers in primetime last year, and Newsom had... Honestly, from the very beginning, since he stepped on the field in the preseason, looks like he belongs in the NFL. 
looks like he fits this system and might be a guy that the team can rely on. And obviously they did against the Kansas City Chiefs when he played a big role in leading the team to victory. Eckler, Jackson, and Newsom have the experience of carrying large workloads and were super productive in college. Now, let me just read you some stats uh, from their college days. Eckler at Western State University rushed for 5,889 yards with 55 rushing touchdowns. He also had 1,215 receiving yards and another eight touchdowns. While at Northwestern, Justin Jackson became one of nine running backs in Big Ten history to rush for 1,000 yards in four straight seasons. He finished his career with 5,440 yards on the ground and 41 touchdowns. He also had 858 receiving yards and another touchdown through the air. As for Dietrez Newsom, who went to Western Carolina University, he rushed for 3,728 yards in his career with 37 touchdowns. He also added 962 receiving yards and another seven touchdowns. So, guys, that's a lot of yards. That's a lot of touchdowns. If you add them all up, these three combined for 149 total touchdowns in college. Now, Gordon was rightfully productive in college as well. At one point, he had the single-game rushing record in NCAA with like 425 yards or something like that, beating former Chargers running back LT's record while he was at TCU. So you can feel comfortable in knowing that at least the guys behind Gordon have been there. You know, they've they've carried large workloads. They're, they're dual-threat guys who can do the same stuff. So at this point, you're kind of just nitpicking, you know, Gordon's been the starter. But could one of these three guys be the same type of back if given the shot? They're all different, you know, shapes and sizes and speeds and, and skill sets and stuff like that. But just like Gordon did as a rookie who didn't catch a lot of passes... In the years prior to this season, he worked and worked and worked to, you know, shore up his game, make him a better receiver out of the backfield. And there's no reason to say that one of these other three guys couldn't do the same thing, couldn't improve year to year. And, you know, in another year or two, if Gordon doesn't sign back with the Chargers, we could be talking about Justin Jackson, Austin Eckler, or dare I say, Dietrez Newsom as the next dual threat running back in the league. So if you're aligned with this argument, you're probably in the group that has the mindset of running backs don't matter. And plenty of people feel that way, and rightfully so. When you look at 2018 and the kind of the, some of the teams that I named earlier, the Rams, the Steelers, and, and even the Kansas City Chiefs, they all flourished without their starting running backs. You know, Gurley Bell and Hunt went down and were out for one reason or another. And you saw guys like C.J. Anderson almost be a better fit for the Rams scheme. You saw guys like, uh, you know, James Conner come in and rush for almost 1,000 yards and double-digit touchdowns in, in, you know, Bell's absence. And then you had Damian Williams, who up to this point was a career backup, come in and be just as productive in that Chiefs offense. So why couldn't one of these other running backs do that? You know, that's probably your mindset, you know, when it comes to this deal. And honestly, I believe in the same way that the Chargers have had to cater to Melvin Gordon's skill set to be successful within this offense, Wisenhunt and Lynn can figure out how to get the most out of Justin Jackson, out of Austin Eckler and even Dietrez Newsom when it comes to building their offense around these new players. They did it with Gordon, and if they're, again, these coaches are worth their salt, worth their weight in gold, then they can do the same thing for someone who isn't Melvin Gordon. Lastly, I just want to touch on a few free agents who might be of interest to the Chargers and uh, it's just three guys. So first off, you have Jay Ajayi, who you know, wasn't doing too bad once he got traded from the Dolphins to the Eagles during that run where they uh, obviously won the Super Bowl. He finished that year with 873 yards on 208 carries, but only scored a single touchdown. He did have 158 receiving yards and another touchdown through the air. 
This past season, he obviously got hurt pretty early on, although he was fairly productive, I'd say, in his first couple games. 45 touches for 183 yards and three scores on the ground. Didn't do too, excuse me, didn't do too much in the way of the passing game. Um, then you look at a guy like Alex Collins, formerly of the Baltimore Ravens, and they kind of didn't really use him too much in 2018 after he almost had a thousand yards rushing in 2017 but they just drafted a guy by the name of justice hill out of oklahoma state university who's one of my favorite running backs this past year in the draft process but they also signed another running back by the name of mark ingram from the saints so they are pretty set at the running back position and it just seems like they kind of fell out of favor with alex collins so He's now a free agent and honestly wouldn't be too bad of a player in the Chargers scheme. He's got that really nice footwork. He was efficient in 2017, like I said, 973 yards, six touchdowns on the ground. But in a limited role, unfortunately, in 18, he only had 411 yards. Did score seven touchdowns, though, but he had a heavy, heavy rotation with Buck Allen. And I just don't think the Ravens thought he was their future. So now he is a free agent. The last guy is just kind of a dart I'm throwing at the wall, and that's Jeremy Hill, who had a uh, one-year stint with the New England Patriots, but didn't really see the field because in game one, he did get hurt and was out for the rest of the year. Now, you guys all know Jeremy Hill as you know a rookie wonder way back in the day. Um, I think it was 2013, something like that, but he had a really good season where he rushed for over 1,100 yards. Um, I know he had a stretch where he he averaged like 150 yards per game for like three or four uh, games, and he kind of won over a lot of fans, but all of a sudden just dropped. Didn't have the same efficiency the next year and then the next year, and it just seemed like he couldn't put it together again. So he, he was gone from the Bengals, signed with the Patriots on a one-year deal, and obviously that didn't work out. So you have another guy who had some potential, a guy who's, who's done it before at least. So he'd just be someone, you know, on a cheap, minimum deal, whatever it is, you could bring in and just kind of create more competition in that running back room. All right, guys, that's about does it for episode eight of the Powder Blue Review. Really appreciate you stopping in, listening to me to vent and you know listening to my rants about this whole situation. I just think it's really not black and white and a lot of fans want to be on one side or the other. And I think there's just a lot of things that fans have to take in account about the situation and how it's going to go down. And and honestly, my final opinion is simply it could go either way. I wouldn't be surprised if they ink a deal, you know, close to training camp or close to the regular season to keep him. At the same time, there's just so many players that they'll have to re-sign in 2020 and 2021. You've got Desmond King, you've got Hunter Henry, you've got Ingram and Keenan Allen's deals coming to an end, I believe, after the 2020 season as well. So it's just tough. Who are you going to keep? There's so many questions and, and players to evaluate, and, and we still need to figure out who's the most important on offense and defense following guys like Gordon and Allen and, and Rivers. So at the end of the day, I just don't have a firm answer on this, and honestly, we're just going to have to wait and see. Once again, guys, thank you so much for stopping by today's show. I really appreciate it. Next week, I plan on having my good friend Andre Weingarten from EA Sports coming over to talk about uh, the rookie ratings. I believe this Monday, the official ratings have come out for the rest of the uh, Madden roster, and we'll be able to talk about those as well, who's high, who's low. Um, just what needs to be different, how the new rookies fit kind of within the system and and stuff like that. So I'm really excited about it and hope you guys are too. Uh, and you'll come on back for next week. So once again, this has been Michael Peterson. If you want to follow my work on social media, you can follow me at Twitter at Zone Tracks or follow my written work over at SB Nations, BoltsFromTheBlue.com. Appreciate it, guys, and we'll see you next week.